What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about the serial provoker. So before we get in the meat of our podcast, I would like to invite you to go look at the show notes. There are ways that you can support me. This is support for me personally as a podcaster. It does not support the work at all. It supports me. And it's www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. And there's some other ways too, but that's the easiest. It's a dollar a month at the lowest. And you can set that up and it'll come right out of your bank account if you'd like. But if you don't want to do that, you can send me a PayPal or you can send me a other ways. But PayPal, uh, uh, Patreon, that, that's typically the way to do it. Anyway, enough said about that. We have over 2,000 followers on the Facebook page. I need you to be the notification bell. I need you to be the algorithm. Share this material. Share this. Uh, if you're watching this after the fact, share it. Um, also, if you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio, that would greatly help as well. All right, let's get into the meat of our podcast, The Serial Provoker. I have an overlay here with something that I'm going to read. The Serial Provoker. Serial provokers are experts at seeking out flexible, easygoing people. They exploit this quality by constantly provoking their targets with covert jabs, minimization, veiled humor, and patronization. They tar- the target will attempt to avoid conflict by remaining pleasant, choosing to forgive and excuse this behavior in favor of maintaining harmony. But the serial provoker will continue to aggravate the target until finally they snap. Once this occurs, the provoker will sit back, feign surprise, and marvel at how passive-aggressive, angry, and volatile the target is. The target will immediately feel bad, apologize, and absorb the blame. They are essentially shamed for rightly losing patience and behaving the way the serial provoker behaves every single day. The difference is, the target feels remorse. The serial provoker does not. The target is expected to remain calm and respectful no matter what, while the serial provoker feels entitled to do, and I'll add, say, whatever they please. Folks, I have met serial provokers in my life, and I have found a way, I've, I've gotten pretty good at, at sussing them out, and I'll just excise them from my life. I do not have time for somebody who is a serial provoker. Let me tell you what the young kids call this, by the way, of provoking someone to get a rise out of them. And then sitting back and say, I can't believe how angry you are. 
Why are you such an angry person? Why do you lose your temper like this? Well, because you make me crazy. You do this to me, is the idea. They call that salt baiting, okay? I thought <laughs> salt baiting. So basically, you know, the, the, these young kids, they'll pick, 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 pick. And when the target snaps back and says, what are you doing? Shut up. Leave me alone. I don't want to do this. They'll say, well, I can't. Why are you so salty, bro? Why are you always mad all the time? Well, I'm not always mad all the time. I'm only mad when you pick at me and pick at me and pick at me. I remember whenever I was in eighth grade, uh, I went to school with two twins, Ronnie and Donnie Johnson. And I have told this story over the years, and I cannot remember which of the twins it was now, um, whether it was Ronnie or Donnie, but it doesn't matter. I picked on this kid, and I don't mean that I bullied him and I was, I was you know, it was just incessant picking. It was like, like young boys do, but it was just all the time. I had no boundaries. I, my my emotional maturity was very low for my age, and I didn't get along well with the other children because my emotional maturity was so low because, you know, dealing with the trauma and stuff that I had from my childhood. I'm, I'm just letting you know. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just, it just, it is what it is. And I would just pick, 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 pick. I wouldn't leave this kid alone. And on the last day of school, th- this, this is an example of some stuff that I did. Uh, we had a ditch in the playground, and they would never let us do this now, but we could go play by that ditch and in that ditch, and we would jump across that ditch. Now, the ditch was probably about four or five feet deep. It, you could go down into it, and you couldn't, you, you had to climb a ways to get out of it. So you could jump down in the ditch, and you really felt like you was doing something. Well, Ronnie or Donnie won, whichever one this story is about. He jumped. And I jumped for the purpose of colliding with him in midair. And we we collided with one another over the top of that ditch. And we hit one another. And I mean, it was like smack. And then we fell to the bottom of the ditch. And it knocked the breath out of us. He, Tony, what are you doing? Oh, and we couldn't hardly breathe. And when we climbed out of the ditch and stood up, I'd no more stood up as he reared back into last Tuesday and hit me square in the nose. And I want to tell you that whenever that blood flowed out from my head, it's like it left room for all of the memories and the good sense about what I had been doing for the last school year to come flooding in. And I've never felt worse in my life about how I've acted. It was a very, very, very cheap lesson. And one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life is that boy punched me square in the nose. Now, we both said, and his brother was there, and his brother said, it's about time. We sat down, and his brother and him stayed there to make sure I was okay. We sat down, and he said, are you going to tell the teacher on me? I said, no, I reckon I deserved it. And we was fine after that. And that, that's the way more kids ought to be. Anyway, but that's a serial provoker. Or, or if I would have if I would have hollered and cried and went to the teacher, he would have gotten trouble for hitting me. I mean, I had the mark. I had the blood. I, you know, the blood was on my shirt. All that good stuff. He would have gotten trouble for hitting me. 
Well, that's what a serial provoker does. If, if I would have acted that way. Uh, hello, Sheila Co. Good to see you. And yes, uh, Sheila says, over the years, I've learned this type of person vexes the spirit and have learned to separate myself from their chaos. Absolutely. And you will always be the bad person for doing this, Sheila. You will never be the good person. You're, even, even, the, even the people that know the person that you have to excise from your life, they're going to think that you were the problem. They're going to think it was you. Well, you just can't get along with anybody, can you? While, while this person, they're not doing anything. I know this person. They're nice to me. Well, yeah, I don't know why they're nice to you, but let me, be, let me tell you something. If they're nice to you, it's because there's some kind of payoff. There's something in it for them. This typically, this serial provoker typically uh, is associated with uh, narcissistic personality disorder. Now, listen, everybody that, is, uh, that, 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 that has, is high in narcissism is not suffering from narcissistic personality disorder. So that, that's a totally different thing. But, um, but it is associated with, with narcissism, narcissism. Anyway, um, I, I found an article and we're going to get to the Bible. The Bible actually addresses the serial provoker, by the way. Um, let's get to, where, where was I going? Oh yeah. I have another, no, I don't have an overlay. I have an article. Yeah. All right. This article is for, is from Debbie Anderson. DebbieAnderson.com. She looks like this new age person. Uh, it's inner liberation and healing. Um, look, just I'm not going to link to her website. I will tell you it's DebbieAnderson.com. And if you want more information about stuff like this, look up Dr. Romani. Dr. Romani. And she is, she looks like a woman of Indian descent, Indian from India, not Indian Native American. And she, uh, she's a PhD and she specializes in cluster B personality disorders, most specifically narcissistic personality disorder. And it's interesting to, to listen to her lectures and stuff in her videos. But this, this Debbie Anderson wrote an article about, and, and she mentioned the serial provoker. Listen to this. This was written by Debbie on January 17th of 2020. This is her this is her. This is her personal experience. I don't know if this woman's an authority on anything, but this is, this is just anecdotal. My ex-narcissistic partner, which I would say my narcissistic ex-partner, used a lot of tactics to try and unhinge me and keep me off balance. He was a serial provoker and would use this constant arguing all the time. Here is a, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to show you the video. Here's a video explaining what he did and how he would use this abusive behavior to always have the upper hand and be in control. Incidentally, the serial provoker does what they do for control. They, they are, they are very weak in who they are. They have a very weak self-identity and usually have a very low self-esteem and a very self-loathing ideal of themselves and they use the serial provoking as a means of control as a means of feeling powerful all right now here's the transcription of the video i remember during the years i was with my narcissistic partner using the term constant 
arguer for him. He would argue about everything, and he took a great deal of satisfaction in arguing about anything. It could be about how to boil an egg properly, what time to set the alarm, or what kind of hairbrush to buy. He seemed to be an expert on everything, real estate, how to take care of the kids, although he did not actually do anything to help out with the kids, driving the car, cooking, decorating, the list was endless. The term serial provoker fits my ex-toxic partner, and I would say toxic ex-partner, to a T. He took a great deal of pleasure in not only knowing everything, but in being the authority on anything. He would provoke me with his covert jabs, veiled humor, and sarcastic patronizing tone. I would, of course, try and avoid conflict by choosing to forgive and excuse this behavior, trying to remain pleasant. I was so sick of his constant and frequent arguing. It was so exhausting and draining. All I wanted was harmony, and he clearly did not. He would push me in the argument of the day or the hour until I lost my mind and would scream at him to stop. He would sit back quietly with the calm, quiet voice and usually with a smirk on his face and remark how angry, volatile, and aggressive I was when he did not even raise his voice. So he would say, well, I can't believe how volatile you are. I'm not yelling at you. I'm not raising my voice. Look how calm I am. Why do you want to treat me like this? Every time I just try to have a conversation with you, you know, I'm your husband. I'm, I'm, I'm the leader of the household. You're supposed to follow my lead. How come you're doing this to me? How come you're so angry when I'm just trying to be the man that you need and, and be the man that I'm supposed to be? That's the serial provoker. I would begin to doubt and question myself, thinking it must have been me and even apologizing and taking all the blame. He would then shame me for finally losing my patience and behaving the way he behaved daily. So that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the catch-22. The target of the serial provoker, the victim of the serial provoker, when they lose control and they succumb to the tactics, He'll say, listen, I'm I'm just being a good person. I'm just trying to help you. Or, I was being funny. Can't you take a joke? Oh, I'm sorry. I can't believe I did that. You're right. I shouldn't have. That's right. You shouldn't have. You know, that shows how bad you are. You know, this, this shows a pattern of behavior that you're abusive and you're toxic and, and you have an anger problem. That's the serial provoker, folks. That's the gaslighting that follows. Anyway, she goes on. I would feel terrible and remorseful each time this happened. My narcissistic partner felt no remorse whatsoever. He was not capable. I was expected to remain peaceful and calm while he felt entitled to say and do whatever he pleased. His behavior was hard for me to understand and explain to others. And that's, that's the rub right there. The reason the behavior is difficult to understand and explain to others is because 
you you are you you are so different in your mind that you can't even comprehend the behavior. You can't figure out how anybody would be like this. And the person who is a serial provoker is also an image manager. He is a, or she, the person who's a serial provoker, is a different person around different people. These are, these are known as chameleons, emotional and mental chameleons. Around church people, they're the best church people you've ever met. Around worldly people, they're the best worldly people you ever met. But when it comes to the target, the victim of the serial provocation, they're a different person. The gloves come off, the claws are out, the teeth are out, the knives are out. And it's hard. It's hard to explain to people who are not a victim of it. My narcissistic partner did not even raise his voice. He did not hit me or threaten me, and these exchanges were very hard to describe. Like if she would have tried to describe it, she's like, yeah, I was, I was boiling eggs and he came in and we got into a fight because he thinks they should be boiled with vinegar in the water for 12 minutes and I only boil for eight minutes with no vinegar, but I add salt. And if you're telling somebody this, you, you mean you got in a fight for that? He was just talking to you about how to boil eggs. Why would you be so petty as to get into an argument about how to boil eggs? Why wouldn't you just, why wouldn't you just agree to disagree or anything like that? And they don't understand that you can't do that with a serial provoker because the serial provoker is less about resolution and more about retribution. They're more about punishment. You're not boiling the eggs the way I say you need to boil them. Now I'm going to punish you. You didn't, you didn't make the bed like I told you to make it. Now I'm going to punish you. You're not driving the way I told you to drive. Now I'm going to punish you. And that's the way they punish. They don't hit. They don't yell. They don't scream. Some of them do. I mean, listen, some do hit, yell, and scream. It's just this, this woman's experience is not hitting, yelling, or screaming. Some, sometimes a serial provoker, um, they will fly off the handle in a rage to match your intensity. And what will happen is the serial provoker, if they ever do fly off in a rage, it's all your fault because you never listen to them, you never take them seriously, you never mirror their emotions, you never consider their needs, it's always you. And you'll be reeled in, and you'll, you'll feel like the bum. You'll feel like the bad person. She goes on to say, my narcissistic partner did not even raise his voice. He did not hit me or threaten. Oh, I, I, I got that. How could I describe him? That he's sarcastic? that he holds on to things, that he's overly critical, or that he's controlling. I mean, that, that's the way she would describe him. But the people in her life wouldn't see that because he doesn't show it to them. Now, I would describe this behavior as abusive, period, because that's exactly what it is. I hope you found this of some value. Remember that you are not alone on your path to healing. Love, Debbie. Well, that's a good article, Debbie. I'm, I'm glad you shared your thoughts and stuff there, and hopefully you uh, are doing better with your partner there. And uh, good, good to see everybody, by the way. I'm now back in the chats. I'm now back in the chats, and uh, I can see your comments. Uh, Brandon Dreschner, good afternoon. Uh, glad to see you. Listen, remember, be the algorithm, be the notification bell, share the live stream. 
share it to a group that you're part of, share it to your personal profile, and be sure and subscribe to the Cogitations podcast. Now, the serial provoker. Does the Bible cover the serial provoker? The answer is yes. In fact, not explicitly, but there's a lot of there's a lot of implicit scripture about the serial provoker. But one is just I mean, there's no denying it. Listen to this. This is Proverbs chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. That is the serial provoker. The serial provoker in Scripture is likened to a madman, a person who's insane, and he throws, you know what a firebrand is? A firebrand is an arrow with a flaming tip. I mean, it's designed to wreak havoc and do all kinds of damage. An arrow, all kinds of damage, it wreaks havoc. And then death, and of course, death is is the worst out of those. I mean, I would rather be shot with a firebrand and recover or shot with an arrow and recover than I would die because you don't recover from death. Anyway, and he says, am I not joking? In other words, he he throws these firebrands, arrows, and death, and the neighbor's house burns down, and he loses all his possessions, and the neighbor says, well, I was just joking. I was just joshing you. I was throwing in my firebrands, arrows, and death, and... I was just messing with you. Well, what happens? How would a serial provoker get right with God? He's got to stop it. That's the thing. You you cannot be a serial provoker and be right with God. That behavior's got to change. Because, again, it's a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is not right with God. In fact, a lot of these in this Proverbs here, let's go to verse 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. Now, that's obviously talking about gossip, but what about the serial provoker? If the serial provoker stops provoking, the fire will go out. The strife will go away. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. A serial provoker is a contentious man, and when the when the serial provoker changes his ways, then there's no more strife. There's there's no more. There's nothing there to kindle. There's no there's no fuel. Anyway, that's uh, I, I it, it's very interesting, and I don't need to go through the rest of these uh, proverbs, although they're they're very interesting. But that that that's the deal, right? If if you're in a relationship with somebody, and I'm not talking about husband and wife, I'm not talking about boyfriend and girlfriend, I'm just about any relationship whatsoever. You might work with somebody. You might be a friend to somebody, although can you really call somebody that's a serial provoker a friend? You have to set healthy boundaries. Now, when you set healthy boundaries, that's when, if you'll forgive me for, for being a little bit worldly in my language, that's when all hell is going to break loose. Because the serial provoker, when you set boundaries, is going to feel their power slipping away. And they're going to fight you over it. 
And usually whenever a boundary is set, that's when a serial provoker loses their cool, calm demeanor and they go into what's called, well, it's a narcissistic rage, a rage. They get angry, they throw stuff, they stomp, they, they raise their voice, uh, make, you know, t- make all kinds of accusations against their target. And it's only because their target finally said, you know what? This is unacceptable behavior. And this is not, this is not behavior I want in my life. It's not healthy. And, um, that's where, that's where you have to understand that scripture is on your side and it will be, and will all be about the victim. It will all be about, well, you're just a bad person. You, you, you have problems with everybody. Uh, I know of two or three people that you have cut from your life like this. And I knew it was only a matter of time before it was me. Well, you made it a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy is what you did because you think so little of yourself and you have so much self-loathing that you don't feel like you're worthy of love. You don't feel like you're worthy of a relationship. And then that way, if you can provoke someone and you can make them cut you out of their life because you provoke them, what you can do is you can look at them and say, you've done this to me. And that's a defense mechanism. Now, Here's the reason why trying to make peace with a serial provoker is so bad. Because it's impossible. It's an exercise in futility. Listen to this. But the wisdom... Well, actually, I'm going to go all the way back to verse 13 of James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and and every evil thing are there. The self or the, uh, the, the, the serial provoker has envy and seeks for self. And the only, the only thing that lies in that is confusion and every evil thing. And you cannot make peace with them. Listen to it. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then it's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you are in a relationship with a serial provoker, you cannot be at peace with them. They have to change their ways, and if they don't change their ways, you've got two choices. You you lose yourself. You can just obey them and spend your whole life trying to Uh, stand up to their scrutiny, which we'll go to Proverbs 27 in a moment. You're trying to stand up and live up to their standard, and you will never succeed because you cannot be peaceable with them because wisdom from above is first pure, then it's peaceable. And it is very wise to live at peace with all men inasmuch as life in you, Romans chapter 12, but it is impossible to live with peaceably with people who are unrighteous. 
and that's the serial provoker. Let's go now to Proverbs 27. And I use this, this passage of Scripture a lot. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Don't boast about what you're going to do. Don't boast about what you're doing now. Now listen to it. A stone is heavy, sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. You cannot appease the wrath of a fool. A serial provoker is a fool. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Jealousy, same thing as envy. You cannot stand up to the scrutiny of those who are jealous of you, who are envious of you. And then, of course, it goes on to say, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The idea there is you want to keep people around you that are genuine. You don't want to keep people around you that in public speak bad about you and treat you badly, but in privately treat you very, very well. That's, that's love carefully concealed. And then you also want, don't want people around you who are going to be yes men who won't tell you like it really is. That's faithful are the wounds of the friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Your enemy can be with you, this serial provoker can be with you, and the kisses from your serial provoker are deceitful. You would rather have a friend that would tell you how things are, and it would hurt a little bit, but they're real. Now, listen to this. If if you want to alleviate your uh, or alleviate your serial provoker from your life, you're going to have to find your validation in yourself, not in them. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Now listen to me. I want you to lean in and listen to this right here. If you are actualized, if you are mentally healthy, if you have good, healthy boundaries, and you don't, and you don't feel like you have to boast about what you're going to do, you don't feel like you have to boast about what you're doing, you're not you're secure enough in yourself that you're not going to try to appease the the anger of fools. You're not going to try to stand up to the scrutiny of the envious. You're going to not keep people that are disingenuous around you. Your soul will be satisfied. You will be like a bird that does not wander from its nest. You stay where you're supposed to stay. But if you're not mentally healthy, if you're in an un unhealthy codependent relationship with your serial provoker, you're going to go to your provoker and you're going to tell them what you're doing. You're going to tell them what you plan on doing. You're going to try to appease their wrath. You're going to try to stand up to the scrutiny of their envy. And you're going to keep them around as being disingenuous because you are hungry for their validation and approval. And so it's bitter, what you're getting from them is bitter, but it's going to be sweet to you. That describes a, a toxic, uh, uh, a toxic codependent relationship. And you will be like a bird that wanders from its nest. 
How, what, what happens to a bird that wanders from its nest because maybe the mama hadn't fed it and it's hungry and instead of contently waiting on the mama, it wanders from its nest? Well, it falls and either the fall kills it or it chirps because it's in distress and then some predator come, come along, comes along and eats it. So the way to deal with a serial provoker is to be secure enough in yourself that you only seek validation from from internal sources. You make sure you're right with God, and if you're right with God, then forget everything else. Nobody else and nothing else matters, and you're not going to have an unhealthy codependent relationship with a serial provoker. And again, you're always going to be the bad guy. And the serial provoker will go around to his colleagues or her colleagues, uh, your social groups, such as your church, your work, your, uh, I don't know, whatever. And, and, and they're going to paint you in the worst possible light. And it will never sound like gossip. It'll usually sound like, well, like if you have a wife who's a serial provoker, She's going to go to her friend group. Let's say that you and you and her have something that you do, you do together. She's going to go to those people and be like, yeah, my husband, Tom, you know, he just, we've been having, we, I need some help. We've been having some really bad problems. Let me tell you what he's been doing. And she will, she will say everything you've been doing in, in, in reaction to the provocation that she has been ginning you up with. And, and it all be one-sided, and you'll look terrible, but you still have to leave. You still have to get that person out of your life. Because if they won't change, that is a, that is a present distress probably that's, that's big enough that, that, you, that if they don't change, you can't live with them. If it's your friend, you can't be around them. If it's a parent, I don't know. You just got to be careful. Don't feed into it. So, I hope some stuff that I've said about serial provokers has armed you. I hope it's helped you in some way. And uh, if you are one, don't be one. And if you are in a relationship with one, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, whether it's business, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're at work and you're, and you're working with a serial provoker, buddy, that's hard. That's really hard. My suggestion is don't play into it. Document everything and make human resources your friend. And that's all I've got. folks. Uh, I hope that I've said something to help you out. I hope I've said something to edify you. If you like what we do and want to help us out, remember you can support me as a podcaster at www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Be the algorithm, be the notification bell, share the live stream, share the podcast when it drops, and that'll help me out greatly. Invite your friends to follow and like the Cogitations Facebook page. Again, this has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. We'll catch you. Thank you so much for listening, by the way. And we'll catch you on the flip side.